Hey, it's Graham, and it's Thursday, and that means we're offering you another positive piece of a past interview. Each week, our team digs through the archives to find our strongest feel-good stories to present to you in podcast form. This week, Kelsey Grammer. So you went to Juilliard on scholarship, Mm -hmm. um, yet you still had to take two jobs to daily, I, I think, to make ends meet. Yeah, yeah. There's, well, what I did was uh, the summer before I took two jobs uh, so that I'd have enough cash to kind of get through the year. And uh, that was the um, when I was a night man at a hotel and I did work on a construction site in the daytime. And I actually used to run from one or the other. Uh, after, after, after the job would close at 6 a.m. Uh, at the hotel, I would run over and, and start work on the construction site. What were the hours? Uh, that was 7 to 3, basically. And then uh, it was 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. on the, uh, and I would do the laundry a lot of the time on the, on the hotel one, and uh, rake the beach, uh, brush the tennis courts, uh, clean the tile in the swimming pool, <laughs> just stuff like that. I was, I, I liked work. How much money? I ended up with 700 bucks by the end of the summer, uh, and it got me through. It got me through till the spring the next year. Well, I mean, yes, but you had to be creative. Very what what creative. led you to sleeping in the park? Uh, well, that was because it was still warm enough I could actually sleep there for, for just only a few weeks, really. But I could sneak behind a certain bush and cover myself with a newspaper, and I was fine. I, and I showered over at Juilliard. What, what do you remember from that? I mean, Nothing. you were, no, you were safe. sleeping in the park, though. <clears throat> it was completely safe. Right. You know, I mean, I, I didn't camp when I was a kid. <laughs> I mean, it's a it little wasn't really much though. different than that. I mean, well, it really wasn't. <laughs> I mean, you know, camp in the nobody park was really around. You didn't City. see anybody, so it was all right. You know, I I never had any real experiences there. I had to, uh, you know, one one time we got, I took the train too far on uh, the Independent Line. I ended up in Harlem, and some guy looked at me. It was like three a.m. I'm standing there on one side of the track, and he looks over like this. He goes, "Hope you make it home." Oh <laughs> hell, but. Uh, like, you know what, I've, whatever it was, there was always something uh, that kept me safe. What do you think going through that period, though, uh, taught you about money and savings? Well, it, it taught me to be pretty frugal, you know, and uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a spendthrift if, uh, in, in, my, in my heart. I think that, you know, should, you should live beyond your means a little bit. You should take risks like, you know, <laughs> build a brewery. <laughs> um, you know, money's made to be spent a little bit. You're supposed to actually be in the game, you know, put it to good work, to good use, but you also should be smart about how, how far you overextend. You know, I mean, everybody overextends a little bit, but, um, yeah, I try to keep it um, within reason. How did you figure out that balance early on, though? When, you know, uh, well, when early started- on it was simpler because you just didn't, you know, you just knew you couldn't, couldn't do that, you know. But so, and I was always willing to sacrifice my body for the sake of survival, which meant, you know, I'll, I'll sleep in the elements, I'll, <laughs> I won't get an apartment, right. I'll uh, drive a motorcycle instead of get a car, you know, stuff like that. There was always a, a, low, a way of shaving uh, the, the budget to a point where you could survive and, and still feel like you were, you know, thriving. Because uh, I always felt rich. I always felt like I was doing great. I mean, if I could buy, buy a quarter pound of salami and, uh, and a hard roll, I was, I was a happy guy. So there was a period in which during your early acting days where you auditioned something like 100 times over four months. 100 and, auditions, and, yeah. And what, what made you realize um, that if you really wanted to be an actor, you had to give up the waiting job? Oh, that, that was interesting. Now, I'd, I'd had 
some success in acting by then. I mean, at least I'd had a couple of jobs. I, I worked in San Diego for almost two and a half years, uh, three seasons, three summer seasons, and I stayed through the winter and did some shows then. I ended up doing maybe 13 plays during that amount of time, which was, you know, just great. Uh, and I went back to New York and did a job in, um, Oh, did a job off Broadway for you know what was Subway fare? That was one of the big things we'd get, which was seventy-five cents at the time. Uh, and did a couple of other plays, like readings and stuff like that. But and then I, I one day walked into work uh, where I was working at O'Neill's on Fifty Seventh Street and Sixth Avenue, and uh, which is now the Rue to something or other. It's still there. The restaurant's still there. Uh, and I suddenly thought, you know what? You're not going to be an actor in, as long as you're a waiter. And that's when I said to the guy, I said, you know, i got to quit. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, it's just time. And his name is Michael, I remember. He's a nice, nice guy. And he said, well, okay. You know, it sounds crazy to me, but okay. And I got a job the next day. And I was an actor ever since. That's it for now, but if you're hungry for more in-depth with Graham Bensinger interviews, head over to youtube.com slash Graham Bensinger. Hope to have you back next week for our Monday and Thursday podcast releases. Thanks again for listening.